Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. It's time to ditch the old way of how you lead your salon team to succeed. So let me explain. Too often, I see salon owners who are constantly feeling like they have to chase their team members up, like it's extremely exhausting. You have to flag down your team members during the day, during a busy day in the salon, in between clients, doing what I call hallway management, simply because there's no other time to check in and have a conversation. And I get it, leading and managing a growing team is tough to manage the balance between managing the people and managing the income constantly trying to keep up with your team, juggling the team drama, bad behavior, underperformance, and worst of all, resignations. But what if I told you the key to finally feeling in control and ahead of your team is actually it's actually a shift to your mindset, not chasing them in the hallway. So in this episode, I want to share with you a proven strategy behind building a successful team of superstars, ones that actually want to work, want to work hard, want to work for you and love what they do. This is actually a sneak peek inside of a recent Salon Mastery coaching call I had with a few salon owners exactly on this topic. You are not alone. Not only does it give you a taste of what it's like inside of Salon Mastery, but we solve a few of the team challenges when it comes to keeping your team motivated so your business can continue to grow into a million dollar salon. So I can't wait to share this with you. Let's jump in. Okie dokie. Let's talk uh, about our kind of our theme, coaching your team to win. And I want to talk about uh, what does it mean to be a coach? Uh, I call myself a coach, but there's something different. (laughs) Uh, But essentially the word is the same. And um, really I think as the business owner, you need a platform, a soapbox, if you will, something to speak from and get your message heard, something that you can lead your people from. And in a salon environment, when people are run by um, appointments, by the hour, we can have days where we are in the salon all day and we don't actually see our people. It's really hard to get in front of our team and lead them, celebrate success, tell them what it is that we want, get them to do the things that we want to do. So we need to be able to create ourselves a soapbox, somewhere that you get to speak from, you know, with your megaphone. Um, And I think part of being a coach and leading a team is to be able to have a voice and we want to be able to create that environment for you. I think also uh, leading is like going on on a road trip. You know, I often talk about Um, business being it's a marathon and we break it up into little sprints but what's useful is uh, when we share the trip if we're going to take a carload of kids on a holiday they kind of want to know where we're going right and I remember when I was learning to drive actually I used to look right in front like I was desperate to drive Um, when I was a teenager I learned to drive really early 
And I remember first driving, I would always look just right in front. What was the next thing? Like maybe a car distance in front. And my parents sent me to a defensive driving course. I wasn't allowed to drive the car unless I did that. And I learned at defensive driving course how to look way out in front and keep an eye slightly on the left to where the road bend and turned as I kept an eye on the car in the front so I could see where I was going in the distance. And I think as the leader, we need to do the same. We need to be looking way ahead into the future in the distance so we can see the destination that we are going. But the goal, <laughs> the, the trick now is to share that with the people. They need the next uh, you've probably heard me, you've definitely heard Eloise say this, the next island in the stream. What is the next destination that we're floating towards? Where's the next milestone or the next pit stop? Where are we stopping to have a picnic? Um, they need to know where they're going. Otherwise, we're just floating along day by day. And so I think it's like a little bit of a road trip. When I had my salon, we had a 2020 plan, which is funny now, given that it's 2021, but there was always the next big destination in front of us so we had I needed that to keep me going and I think it was useful for the whole team to be on board towards a destination uh, I think as a leader as a manager as a business owner we need to actually coach people you can't set your team up once a week or once a month and expect them to go and slay business we actually need to coach them um, imagine uh, a professional sports team checking with their team once a week or even once a month or just at the beginning of their employment and saying, well, look, I'm, it's been great chatting this week. I hope you guys have a great week. Hope you win on Saturday and, and leaving them to it. No, professional coaches coach the team. Um, they're not on the field, um, but they coach from the sideline. The captain's on the field, so it's great to have a captain. We've got some captains here with us today. We need a captain that's on the field with the team. But we need a coach on the sideline, making sure that people know what the play is. So I think uh, for 2021 and beyond, um, the aim to be a good manager is simply is not enough. I think managing people is already quite outdated. I think the best definition of a coach, simply put, um, is coaching is a process that aims to improve performance and focus on the here and now. So coaching is unlocking a person's potential to maximize their own performance. It's helping them to learn rather than just teaching them. So there's a difference. It's a subtle difference. Does that make sense? We're helping them to learn, not just teaching them. And I think um, our role then as the business owner should be to become the support person for our team members to perform at their best, bringing out their best. I think that's your role as a salon coach. So I'm going to step through, got five wee tips for you to think about as your role as a salon coach <clears throat> to coach your team, not just manage them. So we know uh, the, the salon's crazy busy. We pass each other in the hallway. Uh, sometimes we can not even connect with people in a single day. So we need to create a place to pause, pause the storm, because uh, are we right? is it true? Salons can be a storm sometimes, especially if we uh, don't have our eye on the ball. So I think there's four, uh, four steps in coaching that ultimately is going to help you improve sales. The ultimate outcome, if we do these things, the sales is the scoreboard. Remember we talked about the um, 
coaching a team, a sports team. I think it's a really good analogy. If we are coaching from the sideline, we've got a captain on the on the field with our team, and uh, we have a good strategy in place. How do we know if we're winning? The only way to measure, remember we talked about when we, um, when we were talking about the game plan and actually having a measurable, something that's measurable to know that we are winning. Have we achieved it? Can we give it a tick? Well, all of these strategies that we put in place in terms of leading, coaching um, our team, the way to measure that is ultimately an output performance. The dollars is just the scoreboard. So the first step. I believe number one is huddles, coaching our team 10 minutes in the morning, getting in front of them to lead them throughout the day. The second step is a clear communication strategies. We're going to talk about one of those this afternoon. Eloise is going to come and take us through communication station. Team meetings is another one. Coaching high performance, high performance coaching for your team in uh, a very personalized one-on-one -on -one, uh, experience. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Um, and then workshops, calling the play, showing the way, 90-minute uh, workshops. And we did workshops maybe two intensives ago, two or three intensives ago. But I think the combination of those four things, if you can implement them uh, as the coach, the business, the leader of your business, this is the way to drive success and connect you, the manager, sorry, the owner, the CEO, and your manager, not forgetting you too, to lead your team forward. These are the soapbox moments that um, these are your this is your communication rhythm, if you will. These are the four things that will drive it forward. So let's just break those down a little bit. Uh, in terms of an ind individual, how often should we could be would be uh, staying in touch with our people on an individual basis? I think uh, regular check-ins. I know that kind of sounds funny. DM your people, and I'm not necessarily meaning you must you know, send them a DM every single day. But um, the more that you're removed <clears throat> and the more that you're on the sideline and the less that you're in the business on a daily basis, the more this becomes actually really important, whether it's you, the CEO, or you, the manager, especially if you're in a busy environment. And I remember a time when I was a little bit more removed, like some of you are now, I was less in the salon. And I actively uh, made myself a checklist of all of the team members' names to make sure that I would connect with each individual person over a period of time because it's so easy to go by and not connect with people. Uh, it didn't always have to be, sometimes it was just a, hey, how's it going, how's your cat? But um, some kind of connection point on a regular basis. On a weekly basis, and so sometimes it's a weekly is enough, it's not possible every day, but on a daily basis, I would make sure I had a team of you know, 27, 30 people. Um, I needed to do it every day to get through all of the people on a regular enough basis. So sometimes it needs to be daily. Um, a coaching session, that's uh, typically known as a one-on-one. A one -on -one. Uh, I like to call that a coaching session. That's your coaching connect session. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a moment between the difference between weekly and monthly. And then for the whole team, we do need daily communications, which we're talking about this afternoon. Uh, team meetings on a weekly basis, communication station, that is our uh, afternoon session, um, and regular workshops. Now, I've got workshops like the coaching session weekly and monthly, depending on your way of doing things. Some people love to do those um, on a weekly basis. When I had uh, my salon, we did them weekly on the back, uh, on the tail end of our team meeting, and that worked pretty well. Now here uh, at, actually, a couple of years ago, we used to do weekly workshops 
uh, every week or every other week here at Salon Mastery, and we're now changed to two-day intensive. And so lots of you are choosing the monthly or bi-monthly model of running workshops for your team as, uh, as well. There's no right or wrong. It's just what is your preference. So I think this combination of providing the communication and the support to your team is, um, is the combo that's going to move the needle. I'm super keen to know what are the ones that you already do come rain or shine? And not I just do them sometimes, like, solidly commit to can you let me know i would love to kind of get a poll of who's doing what and how often uh, so let me know let me go back which ones of these are you doing come rain come shine like it's part of your solid strategy hey janine don't know no, don't know that i said hi to you when you arrived um anita does weekly team meetings mm-hmm uh, Joe huddles daily, one-on-ones monthly, nice. weekly team meetings, bi-monthly workshops. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Janine, weekly managers meetings every Friday. Rochelle, weekly one-on-one. Abby, daily check-in religiously with each team member or each member of the team. I ask for feedback. How can I help every day? Um, Love it. Day. I'm doing more morning huddles daily and weekly one-on-one and a monthly evaluations. Awesome. Kerry, fortnightly team meetings. Kaya and Susie do daily huddles and team meetings. Melinda, weekly managers meeting, weekly salon meeting with coffee and monthly team outing, no business. Awesome. Love it. Um, Paige, daily right. check-ins. There's heaps coming through here, which is great. Okay. Sounds like we've got a good combination of all of the things. Um, all right. Let's keep pushing ahead. I think our role as... The CEO, the coach, um, is to remove the roadblocks for our team members. So let's stick through that. Um, it's like uh, um, <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know if this is the right analogy, I was thinking about, you know, um, the cart on the back of a donkey and, and we whip the donkey and put the carrot in front of the donkey. Um, I think those days of leadership and management have gone. And I think one of our roles to step into being a coach rather than a manager is to actually get out in front of the bloody donkey and remove the shit off the road, fill in the potholes, uh, remove um, the rocks and the stones so the donkey can pull the cart really effectively. So I think, you know, instead of uh, constantly trying to motivate people, I think we need to stop uh, we need to make sure that we're not demotivating them and make our business a place that people love to come and can progress and perform and do good work. So I think one of our roles is to remove roadblocks um, and help people just do good work. Um, to, I think, processes... Uh, systems and processes help us streamline that experience for us. And I know sometimes there's resistance to implementing. Joe, we were talking about this, you know, resistance or we give in to the systems and processes that we um, somehow we get in our head around why this is hard to do this. But I think actually systems and processes actually remove the roadblocks for our team. It makes things super clear for everybody um, clarity and knowing what to expect actually makes life more simple. Uh, actually, Amber Lee, 
loved hearing this from you because I wholeheartedly agree with that. I would I would prefer the business model of less team members but having A grade, A players, A grade players. We can afford to pay them more and help them succeed more. They can achieve more. Um, and removing the low performers. And what I've learned multiple times over is that low performers actually are a stress and a strain, not only on the clients, but actually are on the team members. And I think the way to think about that is our role is to protect the quality of our team and protect our team from other bad performance. Because what happens when our team, when we have bad performance, in our team is it actually affects everybody else. Everybody else looks at them and feels grumpy. There's an extra workload that they have to pick up. And I think our role is if we want to uh, work with A-grade players and keep team members long-term, then we need to surround, help them be surrounded by A-grade players and so we can all lift performance. Does that resonate? So I want to know what are the two top roadblocks that your team complain about? Because... Uh, my message there was our role is to remove the roadblocks for, so our team can do good work, give them the tools and the resources so they can perform. And I think that, again, that's a sort of a flip of mindset, right? So I'm super keen to know what are the two top roadblocks that your team complain about the most? What's the, what's the thing that you've heard more than once? I was talking to one of the seller masters last week and one of the roadblocks was... Uh, timing and uh, feeling rushed in a super fully booked salon this, this particular salon uh, physically the space was tight because the team was big and have outgrown the space the team are fully booked and are using a high level of support of the apprentices and the up-and-coming talent and that was causing a stress and a strain um, and the message from the team was the roadblock that needed to be removed is to slow down a little bit. And they were prepared to spend more time with the client to increase average client bill, but to not constantly be in a panic. And I know post-COVID, that was something that kind of was forced upon us. Mm. Um, uh, physical space restrictions to have to have less people in the environments and slow down. And what was really interesting during that time is mm. average client bill skyrocketed for all of you guys. So um, that's not me saying that that is the best strategy. That's saying that's a roadblock. If you're hearing complaints from your team members, I want you to tune into it. What are the roadblocks that your team, uh, that you constantly hear from your team or you've heard more than one, more than once? Managers, Paige, Hannah, um, Kaya, you guys probably are close to the ground with this. What is it that, what is it that you hear? I'm keen to know. I know... Um, I know for me, there was a time in my business where I was uh, really scared and, and fearful for asking my team's opinion and for input because of the onslaught of complaints. <laughs> does, anybody, does anybody else resonate with that? Like, I wouldn't want to ask because they would just bombard me with all of the problems. And yeah. that felt super overwhelming to me. And so I would not ask and I would just plow through. And as a result, would be kind of get into the tell. We're doing it like this rather than into ask and asking, actually, what's your experience like? What is it like for you out there? Um, and that was not because I didn't care, but because I didn't know how to deal with the onslaught of complaints. Um, because I feel like as the business owner, we're constantly under fire from, uh, well, putting out fires. Right. 
Does anybody else resonate with that feeling? Like, I don't want to ask because I'm just going to get bombarded. Um, let's, Greta, let's have a couple yeah. of those comments and then I'm going to talk about managing those issues. Awesome. Uh, Sophie, staff room is too small. Uh, Paige, uh, communication and consistency. Hmm. Uh, Hannah, um, that they can't do it or they don't feel comfortable to do it. Confidence is lacking as well as time efficiency. Then they complain when they don't get a break or run over time. Priscilla, uh, apprentices aren't trained up fast enough, don't understand five-star service. Mm. Lisa, systems not finished and consistency. Murray, uh, tired, rushed, asked clients about products, but they didn't want any. Rochelle, not enough time. Stay, they complain about timing. And I can definitely second that. Timing was one that I always had as well as roadblocks um, when with the teams I worked with was we don't have enough time, we don't have enough space or we don't have enough support was one that I remember as well. Um, Emily, low performance, annoying, high, higher performers as they feel like they have to do more to cover them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Angelique, sharing equipment between five therapists, therefore clients can't be booked in, especially late nights. And Diana, flexibility of time off, confidence and reception, dealing with difficult clients or policies. Yeah. And Melinda, COVID and lockdowns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. You can complain about that 100%. I want to fly through this super quickly. I want to give you, um, and we can talk about this more in our coaching calls, but I want to give you just something to think about in terms of overcoming and dealing with the, the, the onslaught of complaints or frustrations that your team have, because I think it's our responsibility to overcome them, but uh, not in a quick fire, uh, fireball type of manner. We need a process to manage the issues. And so here's a really great tool that I use to manage all the stuff as it comes up so I can manage my own over overwhelm, but also get fix the problems that uh, need to be fixed. So um, here's the process. Somebody gives you uh, the challenge, Timing, pricing, for example, we want, to, we want to explore, and this is something that you would do in a workshop or in a team meeting, best case scenario, what do we want it to look like? Worst case scenario, it's probably what it's looking like right now, right? Or what would be the worst case scenario? And then we have a brainstorming idea where we can jot down all of the ideas that's possible. Now, the great thing about having a process, especially a written process, um, and I would always, and I um, believe in this wholeheartedly, we did it in the salon, we talked about it in our workshop workshop, um, is get people up off their chuffs, off their bum, and get them doing the writing and own their ideas and write them on the, big, on the, on the piece of paper. So brainstorm. The great thing about a brainstorm is that you're not committed to anything, it's just a brainstorm. You can put the craziest, silliest, ridiculous ideas, and you can allow your team to come up with the craziest, most ridiculous, and sometimes really awesome solutions. Um, and when it's written down on paper, they feel heard and they feel seen, and you now have, have visibility. Now, ultimately, it's up to you to decide what you'll take and what you won't take and when you'll put those things into actions. So we want to turn our ideas into actions, and actually, remember we talked about before, tangible, tickable action items. Do you know, you know that moment when you come and you've got this line item on your list and you're like, okay, uh, get more clients. Ugh. And because it's not 
itemized and broken down into step by step, you go, oh, that feels like a big thing. I'll do something else right now. And the big rock never gets done. So in the moment when we're in ideas, ideas mode, we want to take one or two of those ideas and break them down into action steps. Action, 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 action. So they can see what, what are the pieces that need to happen to put this big rock into place or whatever the change may be. And then my suggestion is that you take a break at this point. This is where you end the idea and you say, thank you, I'm going to take away the, uh, the ideas uh, and issues scenario and I'm going to go and put it, uh, decide where and when it's going to become a thing. And remember, your own game plan. If you're smart, you're sharing your game plan with your team or certainly parts of it. And you say, guys, this is great. I really understand that there's a problem. I would love to tackle that. I've got it. We've got it out. We've got the ideas. We know what needs to be. I can assess the size. Is it a big rock? Is it a pebble or is it just sand? And I'm going to go away and I'll come back and let you know when we can fit it into our game plan. We're already mid midway through this game plan, so it won't be at the moment. Um, maybe it will be on the next one, but actually next one's focusing on marketing. So and this one's a timing thing. And you will go and be the sensible business owner that has the long-term view and slotted into where you actually think you're going to be able to um, give it time and attention. Meanwhile, you could, I mean, of course, you can assess um, the priority of it, right? And you know, when we do game plan session, we do plotting your rocks. You can take this issue and decide how, uh, what the priority is and how soon it needs to be dealt with in the plotting rock situation. You can even do plot your rocks with your team. But what's important is you take the pain away from the team member, get it into the system and process of managing systems and processes, um, and now you have quietened the fireballs and you don't have to. Just because somebody throws you a fireball does not mean that you need to do it right now. There's a process to manage the stuff. All right, I'm going to keep flying through so we stay on time. Hey, are you loving this episode so far? Oh, by the way, it's Greta here, Salon Mastery Success Coach at Salon Owners Collective. So I wanted to pop in and ask you something. Do you ever feel like you are winging it when it comes to your business? You started your own business so that you could live the life you wanted with freedom that you wanted, earn great money and be a leader. But the reality is, the amount of effort you're putting in isn't giving you an equal reward. You're exhausted and you don't know what to do about it. No matter what you do, you just can't seem to get ahead. You see other people winning and seeing success, but how come it doesn't work for you? You wish you had a clear laid out plan, something to guide you in the right direction or help you with what to do next. What can you do that actually works? In reality, many salon owners feel this way, you aren't alone. If you are nodding your head as you listen to this, then you need the Salon Mastery proven nine part plan to grow your salon. That's right, no more winging it. The Salon Mastery nine part plan has given hundreds of salon owners a plan to grow, build a rockstar team, attract dream clients, and become a salon CEO. Our plan will work for you too. To uncover the nine part proven plan, just click the apply now link in the show notes of this episode. Okay, now back to the episode. Uh, number three is harnessing momentum. Um, I mentioned this earlier, the fastest way to drive and harness momentum and continue through momentum is to celebrate success. It's why we start every week when you come to a coaching call, we start with share your wins. 
Uh, every time I have a team meeting, we start with sharing our wins. It lifts the vibe and we celebrate, celebrate success. Um, achievement propels momentum because it gives people confidence that you know how to win and we can continue. Um, people want to be on the winning team, right? Don't we? We don't want to be on the losing team. We want to be on the winning team. Um, I also think uh, we learn more deeply when we reflect, whether we reflect on the win or we reflect on the lesson, reflection deepens the learning process. It takes us a moment to go back and reflect deeply on achievement. Um, and it's a place also to get unstuck uh, sometimes. It gives context. I've talked about islands in the stream um, already, but I think um, harnessing momentum is about, you know, um, if you're floating down the river and you know where you're going to, you're more likely to, to row, right? Because you know that you're going somewhere, you're not just aimlessly wandering down the stream. Progress um, and action um, propels forward momentum. So you guys know, uh, it also helps us predict the future. When we start looking back and you can see the, the, the correlation between when I looked back and maybe I set a goal or in a moment when we were stuck or when we started a project to now when we've done the win and we've had the lesson, we start to learn and connect that what we do today um, is actually going to turn into a something in the future. It actually drives confidence. Um, so I know you guys recognize this because we talk about it a lot. We, we talk about the wins, the, le the learns and the stuck. We've also earlier today did a start, a stop and a continued type of process. Um, and when we're project planning, focusing on the win, the why we are doing this, the process, the step-by-step -step, and the actions that we're going to take. And so in your worksheets, you have um, a copy of each one of these. And I think for me, this has been probably one of the most sort of fundamental forward momentum driving activities that I've implemented, not only in my team, but even with you guys, is continuing to look at that in a one-on-one -on -one environment, in a team meeting environment, in a workshop environment, in an environment where we're trying to manage the issues. It keeps everybody lifted up and positive. So I want you to take those learn those, use those at will. It's going to pop up a few other times throughout uh, the workshop. So how can we celebrate success and drive change for the better? This is the exact process for that. Absolutely. Oh, I have, um, sorry, this just threw me for a minute. We're not going to have a five-minute break now. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I was like, what? We surely can't be up for a break already. We just had a break. Um, all right, let's talk about number four. Um, I think number four for uh, coaching our team to win is investing in uh, individual humans. Um, and I think, I believe in developing the whole person and coaching your team in a coaching connect type of environment, whether it's in a private one-on-one -on -one session in a team meeting, in a huddle, in a workshop, uh, or in a, in a um, no, I think I covered all of the things, um, is really connecting with the person, the whole person, why are they here, including their personal plan. I think we can't grow people without, we can't grow people in our business and ignore the rest of their lives. It just doesn't work for the long term. I think the way to flip the thinking is that we, as the business owner and as the business need to fit into the rest of 
their lives. I think moving forward, 2021, 20, 22, 23 and beyond, this is the mental shift that we have to make. We need to market our brand as the ideal environment uh, to invest in real people with real lives. And let's get real with that. Um, we want to help people become better people, play to their strengths. When we invest in a human with their life and their future, um, they become better employees because they're improving as a human, right? Play to their strengths, help them. A little bit of personal development never hurt a single person. You're here getting your version of, of, of all of that. They should have the same opportunity um, as well. Uh, I think when we take this approach of investing in individuals, um, we future-proof. And I believe that people leave us when they run out of future with us. They can't see the next step. They can't see the next island in the stream. They can't see the greater purpose or they can't see how their life fits into what's happening inside of the business. So we need to keep investing in the future of our team to ensure they see your business firmly in their own future, right? Opposed to uh, trying to convince them to stay or sweeten the deal with wine, girls' night out incentives and lollies and prizes. Prizes is not what is going to get people to stay. There's got to be something bigger. Why do you think the church is still uh, a big, uh, a huge, thriving infrastructure? I don't know. I, um, I'm not using the right words, but like, because there's something greater than, than themselves. There's the pathway, there's a step, there's a way to follow, there's a system and a process to follow. Um, it is a live and, and thriving part of humanity because of that. And I think if we can take a little bit from the way that churches run themselves or even um, Alcoholics Anonymous, there's a 12-step uh, plan to being a better human. If you can provide that type of, type of future-proof for your people, um, people will stay, right? Do I get a pay rise? Creates, creates a future. It creates a progression step-by-step step, um, for people to follow. I think sometimes growing people that are better than us sometimes can be scary. Does anyone resonate with that? I know I certainly have at times where I was fearful of employing people that maybe I perceived to be better than me. Um, but I think having people with different skills, better skills should be celebrated because not only it frees you up, um, but it allows your whole business to grow. So imagine, again, having fewer people that perform better and earned more. Um, the last thing on uh, an investing individual in investing in individuals. Oh, no, actually, I put this here, actually, to remind myself to say this. Warning. <laughs> um, Investing in individuals is a hard one. This is something that I have had multiple conversations with people about. And that is when we invest in people and we invest a lot, money, time, education, uh, relationships, um, it's super hard when people, you know, we put ourselves out there and make ourselves vulnerable to be hurt by people leaving, not appreciating what it is that we're giving them. But I want to encourage you to stay in the strategy and grow people, um, not expecting people to stay just because you invested in them. People will come, people will go, and this is part of being a business owner. So and invest in them and enjoy them while they are with you. People will come into your life for a reason, a season, and possibly a lifetime. 
some we do create lifetime relationships here but I think when we hold on too tight to that particular individual we, we open ourselves up to get hurt so I think investing in humans because it's the thing that will grow our business and know that there's some kind of cycle to it and we need to be the bigger we need to be and have a business that's bigger than any one person because they're all going to leave at some point you will be the last man standing right so, um, and I know the other objection is, well, what if I invest in all this time and money in them and then they leave? But what if you don't invest them and invest in them, develop them as a person and educate them and they stay? That's when you get crap employees. So um, I think invest in them. Some people will leave um, and some people will come back. And sometimes you'll just send great people out into the world improving their lives and actually build your reputation for having great employees. They worked with you and now they've gone on to greater pastures. So does that help? Does that resonate? I know that certainly has been a journey for me. Okay, last but not least, let's talk about uh, calling the play. Number five, in terms of becoming a coach. I think the first part is being super transparent and laying it all out on the table. Knowledge is power letting your team know what's going on in the company today, the future direction. Um, and I've mentioned this before, sharing the game plan or the goalposts, sharing it with them. Um, can't sell a secret. You can't drag people along when they don't know where they're going. Um, the next pit stop. I feel like we've covered this one. <laughs> um, narrow the focus. I think uh, we talked about this in our breakaway stay and a couple of other people when we've got too much on our plate and we're trying to achieve too many things is the biggest mistake too many objectives at once will throw not only us but our team into overwhelm um so my thought is that bring your team into your game plan make it part of common conversation and language in the business um because actually it's better for the greater good. I know that this can be a fearful point at sometimes, you know, being vulnerable and opening up to the things that need to happen inside of your business. But I actually think uh, for the right A grade players on your team, it is the positive. It is the right way. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. 
Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.